I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now you're very welcome along to the huddle breakdown. The international window has closed and Celtic are back in action this weekend as they take on Motherwell at three o'clock on Saturday evening. The huddle breakdown, we have no games to review, so we're going to look ahead to that game. We're looking ahead to the Motherwell game tomorrow with Juko James, who's on the line as well. Juko, how are you? Um, I'm hanging in there. My voice will be a little off. Uh, It's a non-COVID virus, so... For uh, people watching or listening, it's it, you're not going to catch COVID from me. Yeah, it definitely come, doesn't come through the mic anyway. We know that much. So hopefully you will make it through safe and sound and it Wait, won't be a... Is that, is that, where you're is that science or something, Enda, that you can't yeah, get it through the microphone? It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> well, I, I'm just presuming. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you can't anyway. Alan Morrison <laughs> is the other voice you can hear there. Alan, how are you getting on? Yeah, good. Thanks, Enda. Yeah, good to, to be back. Yeah, so it seemed like it was a, a long couple of weeks in terms of the world of football. International football always sort of takes it out of you after the the couple of days. Once it's passed, the excitement passes. And if you're a Scotland fan, I'm not sure the excitement ever begins, judging by my <laughs> timeline. I didn't get to see the the Israel game or the, the other game that Scotland had, but uh, Scott McTominay popped up with a nice bit of excitement at the end. So it's nice to see that uh, Scotland are flying the flag that uh, Ireland used to uh, of uh, scraping by despite uh, people expecting probably better performances from that. So, But we're going to park the international football. We're going to move on to Celtic's return to football, hoping to build up upon the uh, Aberdeen win before the window and get a win against Motherwell tomorrow at uh, 3 o'clock. They're away to Motherwell. This is uh, an interesting game for a number of reasons, mainly because Celtic have been very stop-start this season. And I guess the international window comes at a good time in terms of Celtic injuries, but a bad time when it comes to building momentum. So I think momentum is something that we're going to have to look at here. Is this a game where we come out flying after the international break? Some players have got a rest that they needed. Or is this a game where, you know, then we might see a couple of changes from Ange and it might be a little bit of a, a change system. Uh, Alan, what what are your initial thoughts looking at this mother game? Yeah, I mean, I took the view that on balance, the international break was a good thing. I think the opportunity to get onto the training pitch, the opportunity to for bodies to heal and to get more depth in the squad outweighed any sort of idea of momentum because the Aberdeen performance, frankly, was not a great one anyway. So it was momentum in terms of result, but not in terms of performance, I would say. So this is going to be another tough game. Motherwell have made a really good start to the season. Although when you actually break down uh, their results... They've probably lost to Hearts and Hibs, who are arguably formed teams in the league. Um, and they've beaten three, I think we'd all argue, pretty poor teams in Livingston, Ross County and Dundee. Um, and they were unlucky to draw Ibrox in that, you know, the goal against them was, was way offside. Um, and their best result, therefore, is probably been beating uh, Aberdeen 2-0. As we saw the other day, Aberdeen are probably not, not the best either. So, yes, on the face of it, great start, but they've probably won the games you might expect and they've probably not won the games that you, you might expect as well. Um, I think they've, they've built their relatively good start 
having said all that, on a very settled side. Um, they'll set up with a 4-3-3. They'll play three attackers. I think they're going to be quite um, aggressive in attack. Um, and, and it's going to be interesting because if you look at both teams' um, performance data, the, the both both sides are strongest when going forward, basically. So this is going to this could potentially could be a bit of an Ange special in terms of number of goals. Celtic, by just about every measure that there is, are the top attacking team in the SPFL this season, and Motherwell are probably you know pick up some of theirs. They're fourth in the league for shots on target. Um, but only 10th for shots outside the box. So they're making good shot selections. Um, they're actually, here's, here's a familiar warning sign, they're second in the league for um, expected goals from set pieces. Oh dear. And uh, <laughs> they're also only second to Celtic for the quality of the shots on average in terms of expected goals uh, value per shot. Uh, they are second to Celtic, which is good. And they're also second to Celtic in the number of big chances they create during a game. So they're not necessarily creating the most chances, but they seem to be creating good quality chances uh, and, and all, often from set pieces. But it's going to be another game where the defence are going to be on the turn. Uh, this is a team which is 11th in the league for total number of passes and total number of touches. They're going to go long um, and they're going to press aggressively from the front. If you look at their front players, uh, Woolery, uh, Van Veen and uh, Tony Watt, who's got four goals, uh, the, the front the front three have scored seven goals between them this season and they've also got seven yellow cards. So again, this is going to be a, a team who... You know they they um, they actually are joint top with Livingston, with twenty four yellows and one red. So um, this is going to be a high pressing, high dual uh, game. Um, I think defensively they're similar to Celtic in that Celtic was the ranked top across all the attacking metrics I can find. Uh, Celtic are probably second or third in most of the defensive ones, and, and this is like almost. Postacoglu's turned Celtic into a classic Postacoglu side almost immediately, which is quite quite something. Um, so in terms of Motherwell, though, if you look at their defensive performance, they do give up a lot of shots, and they're also happy to let teams shoot from outside the box, and that might come from this quite aggressive 4-3-3 shape. Um, Kelly, their goalkeeper, um, makes just nearly four saves a game, which is the second most in the league, uh, but he's having a great season. Um and also, as I say, they're you know they're also got a bit of resilience about them. In, in three out of the eight games this season, they've come back from being in a losing position to actually get points. So they've got a bit they've got a bit a bit about them in that regard. So the, the, that's what the data says. I think you know what would I summarise from that? I would summarise both teams as I say much stronger going forward than than in defence. They're going to be very direct. They're going to be very much in Celtic's faces. Um, but you know. With Celtic's attack, if the Celtic do get at them, there's going to be chances to be had there. Mm. There are a couple of comments coming in already on the YouTube channel. Oh, no. Um, what have I done? Are, <laughs> no, no, no. They're, they're all good. They're all good. Alan. The, some of you, some of them are praising your uh, your performance on uh, Celtic State of Mind uh, last week. I saw you pop up there as well. Good to see you on that. And uh, pass on our congratulations to uh, Axum and the lads. And, uh, Absolutely. Uh, Paul John Dykes, who have taken home another award again. I think that's two years in a row now. So two, two, two uh, firsts and one third. Uh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Really good stuff from another Celtic podcast as well. So it's good to see that. Um, there are questions coming in as well on our Twitter account at Huddle Breakdown. And a lot of them are about the starting lineup and how Celtic might potentially change things and how, you know, the international break is not all bad. You do get it, an opportunity to work on things. Um, on the training ground one thing coming in from boys analytics from ross he's asking uh will we eventually see Celtic go with two up top um i did see Ange talking about uh, jake marcus and saying that he's he's getting fitter and that he was he's like in the looks of where he's at at the minute could kyogo and jake marcus play up front together as as a combo uh james i'll let you uh feel that one is that something you could see happening in this game or even in general for Celtic going forward I'd be surprised for this game. Um, I'd, I'd fully expect him to go with uh, Kyogo. And um, uh, I mean, it, it, the travel will have been a bit uh, burdensome for him. Uh, both him and Rog- Rogic went to the Middle East for a game and then separate games and then played each other in Japan. Uh, so they've done quite a bit of traveling. But I, I uh, Kyogo did not play a lot of minutes, I don't think, 
on international duty. So I'd, I'd be surprised if he doesn't come right back in. Um, I could see it as a kind of a late game change up, kind of a hybrid where, you know, he put Kyogo nominally out left and then he could move in and, and invert. Um, it's, based off of what I've seen from Jack Amakis, he's not really a uh, link up striker. He's more of an, you know, guy in the box, kind of a poacher guy who's going to get on the end of crosses uh, quite good. You know, uh, one, one of the things the analysis I had read is that he had improved greatly last season at uh, at heading balls where he had been quite weak prior to that. Um, and that was one aspect of his game he really worked on and had a huge payoff. Uh, a lot of his goals were from from headed balls last season. Um, so I, I could see it as kind of a change up. Uh, I'm not sure I see it them playing together. That, that'd be a pretty extreme shift in in um, Ange's system or setup, I would think. Um, so, yeah, def- I'd be shocked for tomorrow. And, you know, maybe as a change up late in games, uh, if they see a, a, a tactical advantage to be crossing balls. I'm not sure Motherwell is the team that we want to be whipping a bunch of crosses in from uh, wide, um, given their you know reasonable size. I mean, I, th- I think they're uh, forget the guy's name, but one of their full fullbacks is six two. I think so. Uh, you know, bigger than any of our center backs. So you know, they're they're pretty big. Even though Donald's a decent size for a fullback, and I think their two center backs are like six three. So they they've got pretty good size. Um, so yeah, I'd I'd, I'd be surprised. Yeah, Ange has been reluctant enough to change the formation and change the the game plan. Is there any changes that you can foresee that isn't the uh, Jacob Marcus coming in, or do you think he's going to change it up, or do you think it's it's going to re- remain very similar to the the Aberdeen one? I, I think the big questions in midfield. I, I think most of the rest of it's maybe at left back. Um, I think from the press conference today, Juranovic isn't going to be quite ready yet, so that probably. <laughs> Yeah, so that pro- that probably means Ralston at right back, and uh, I would guess Montgomery at left back. But who knows? There could be a surprise there. Um, I think the big question is whether uh, Beton plays or whether uh, McGregor's at the six and he plays with Rogic and Turnbull, or maybe a surprise insertion of McCarthy or something. Who knows? With you know having two weeks of um, of training, so I think that's the big question. I, I'd be surprised if it's not Turnbull and, and McGregor. It's really who's that third midfielder and where McGregor plays as a result. Okay, and what would you, your thoughts be on that then, uh, Alan? Do you think there's a game that Beton can be decisive in terms of his ball progression, I guess, as opposed to James McCarthy, who's very much a ball winner? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously Beton played against Aberdeen. Uh, we, don't know, we don't know if that was down to injury or, or what, but... Um, and I guess I honestly hold my hold up my hands and said I can't think of a good option if you're going to play a central three in midfield. There just isn't a combination I can think of that's really optimal. And there might be some that are slightly better or worse. I guess I thought, you know, after you know saying for years why why are we playing Bitton at centre half? What stunned <laughs> stunned me a little bit this season in two outings that I've seen him is just how much pace he's lost, and maybe that answers why he's been put at the back. I get you know when he came on against um, Leverkusen. I know that's a very fit, strong young side, um, but you know he'd only been on the pitch ten minutes, and his recovery runs were just like you know it was like he was pulling a a, a, a small tugboat behind him. <laughs> it was just just uh, awful. So that could be uh, could be a risk. Um, you know they they've, they they I, I, they look like they may have upgraded on Alan Campbell. The, the lad Slattery looks quite uh, good. He's very aggressive as well in the, in the challenge. So um, I don't know. I, I, I was just pondering there whether another option to reconfigure, which would actually come back to the original point about Kyogo and Giacomacus, would, would be, you know, could Kyogo essentially play as quite an, an advanced 10 behind Giacomacus and then have two sitting? At least you'd have two players probably playing in a, in, a, in their preferred position. That probably mean you're dropping both Turnbull and Rogic, and I just don't see uh, Postecoglou doing that. So, I think I suspect, given that you know Bitton wasn't terrible against Aberdeen, that we'll we'll go with the same three that that played against Aberdeen, and, and Rogic will be on the bench. And you know that that to me that was one of the pluses of that game was the fact he came on and provided that killer pass. 
that's that's the sort of depth and, and capability off the bench that we want to see from the squad uh, that we haven't had all season, frankly. So that that was a real positive uh, for me. That game changing player that can come on. The Celtic should have two or three of those on the bench, given the wage disparity that they have over the rest of the league. Mm. But otherwise, I would sorry. Otherwise, I would just really hope that Jurinovic was fit. Basically, <laughs> yeah. I think the other thing with uh, the kind of leans in Beton's favor is um, he does add a little more height, and uh, as Alan had said, Motherwell's one of their probably their biggest strength is um, attacking cross balls. I think uh, Ross uh, from Boys Analytics had commented on that. I think um, seven of the eight goals that we've conceded uh, have been from cross balls uh, in the league this season. And um, Motherwell's an interesting case because they're one of the teams where their uh, their stats bomb data is different than most other vendors because of how many times they shoot off headers. Um and that, that's a, a, a delineation in, in Stats Bomb's uh, XG model. They actually take into account the height of the ball on crosses. So whereas like Y Scout, if, it, if a guy gets a head on the ball, it gets the same XG value, whether he's on his tippy toes and just glances off or whether it's actually at a height that's at a reasonable level to, act, to head the ball well. Um, so Stats Bomb's model actually captures that. And so one of the things that's interesting, Motherwell's been significantly overperforming um, and they've scored a lot of goals. A lot of their goals have been from headers, you know, good headers, headers with like uh, regular XG value, let's say 0.15 and they're top shelfing it in the corner. You know, those kind of uh, really good finishes from both Watt and um, uh, I forget the other the other forward. Um, so that's interesting because it is a matchup issue. I, I mean, I agree with Alan. They're, they're probably, I think their league average is like 40% possession. To, keep, to, yeah. that put, to put that in perspective, uh, Ross County had marginally more possession against them at Fur Park. So, you know, they're not going to be on the ball dominating possession, and particularly with us. I mean, they were uh, against Rangers. They were basically 60 you know, 67, 33. Um, so yeah, they're going to counter and they're going to whip balls in and hope for set pieces. So I think Beton would help to a degree, at least on the margin, uh, mm. f- from, from a set piece perspective. Uh, so that could be another reason that uh, he ends up getting selected. Can I ask a rather silly question? And it might be such a simple answer. Why doesn't, and flip the midfield three so that like the way that he plays at the minute is a, a six and basically an eight and a ten so one set two forward why does he not flip that with two back one forward play the best number 10 be that Turnbull or Rogic in the position play McGregor slightly further back and then beat on McCarthy or whoever or is that exactly the same thing that we're doing right now am I, am, am I just asking a, an absolutely ridiculous question no I, I i it's been fairly fluid i mean um when when mcgregor's been at the six we haven't really needed two sitters because of how dynamic he is so for the most part he's in there with an inverted fullback so that that's for the most part we've had an inverted fullback kind of playing that central midfielder role um and then that allows the two eights to get forward in a in more attacking position. So I suspect if he were to go with two sixes like Beton and McGregor playing deeper, then he probably wouldn't invert the fullbacks. Um, so again, I I don't have a strong view on that um, one way or the other because as Alan said, I, I don't think there's a good solution necessarily. Um, it's just, you know, different positives and negatives no matter what the composition is um and and some of it may be just you know ingraining the system and um prioritizing the learning curve as 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 opposed to uh, trying to be too dynamic and switching things up constantly um as these guys you know learn how to play these roles i mean Mm -hmm. mcgregor's suggested that in some of his interviews i think where you know i think it's pretty clear that they're still ascending that learning curve as a squad 
Um, so, yeah, I don't, yeah, I think Alan said before, I mean, we have gone with two sitters later in games um, with a 10, uh, but that's been more, you know, when we've been ahead and they're trying to kind of close the game out or see the game out in the last 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. That actually does bring me on to a question that comes in from at Celtic underscore Martin on Twitter, where he asks, uh, when Juranovic returns from injury, who should make way for him? Is it Ralston or Montgomery? So we've seen a lot of Juranovic at left back. We have not seen a lot of Juranovic at right back where he was brought, brought in to play. I would say just from watching the short period of time that we've seen Juranovic at, he is definitely the player that I would see as most comfortable doing that inverted role. Um, Montgomery for me has been really impressive when I've watched him, especially, you know, filling in where might not necessarily be his, his strongest position. So in terms of the fullbacks, I mean, is it again, once a, a toss up between um, an okay and a mediocre choice when it comes to Montgomery and, uh, and Ralston doing that inverted role, or who do you guys see as the most comfortable at, the, at that at the minute with uh, Juranovic out injured? Yeah, I mean, we've not seen a lot of Juranovic, but in terms of watching him for Croatia and the little bits I've seen, I would anticipate he will be a, a huge improvement on Ralston. Um, and again, I, I feel really bad <laughs> if, if people think about um in any way criticising Rolston because, you know, the guy's running through brick walls for Celtic at the moment and absolutely putting everything out there you could possibly give in terms of commitment, effort, work rate, all the, all those all those things are in spades with, with Rolston. You cannot fault anything he's, he's put into the game in that sense. But unfortunately, you know, the, the quality is, 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 is just not there. So listen, I one of the reasons I started Celtic by numbers was to avoid glib statements like that of, oh, he's just not good enough, and actually trying to think of a way to articulate that using facts rather than just going, oh, he's just not good enough. So I do promise <laughs> here to, to put something out about Rolson that tries to put into context why he isn't standard that I think Celtic need, and that's only fair. But essentially, you know, I'm, I'm and I've not looked at this, right, but I'm... I'm, I'm I'm predicting it will be just you know the use of the ball, um, you know recovery uh, ability. Um, you know we've seen in the final third, it's just it's just you know not the type of attacking fullback that you you, you need in in if you're playing the way that Celtic play under that system. Um, it's going to be one of the major major issues. I suspect defensively he's going to be okay, um, pretty pretty decent. I would say probably average maybe if you look at the pool of recent right backs, but attacking wise just way short of where. The sort of fullback that Celtic need. Um, so for me, Juranovic would absolutely come in for him as soon as he's fit. On the left, I think you know Montgomery. I think I said this on the Axon pod. Um, I always watch the game, getting really frustrated at him, and then when I look and capture the data, I always think, oh. He didn't. Do, he didn't do as bad as I thought he did. So, which is which is nice. <laughs> um, and again, I need to probably kind of quantify that a little bit better and do a proper piece on him when he's got enough minutes under his belt. And he's flipped and changed the kid, you know, you know, between left wing and and left back as well. So, I don't want to be too harsh on him. I think he's actually probably probably done decent a decent job. But it remains a position where we're filling in with players that probably would have been released <laughs> if it had not been for the massive overhaul, i.e., Ralston, and players who've been chucked in probably a bit before their time in Montgomery in what are in this way of playing two key, absolutely key positions. James, do you want to come in on that? Who, what's your preference in terms of the fullback position? Yeah, I, I'd probably deviate a little bit from Alan. Um, my, my concern with Montgomery is in the inverted role. Um, and you know, some of this is anecdotal. I'll admit that. Um, so I'd have to go back and quantify it, but his turnovers have been really bad ones at times, meaning that, um, you know, kind of glaring, uh, loss of possession, which leaves us. In, sorry. Do you mean in terms of the position he lost it or the manner in which he lost it? Both. Yeah. So I, I just, he, he looks to me like he's, um, well-suited for kind of a traditional attacking fullback role. At this point, and I, you know, he, he's he seems to me to be struggling playing inside and um, decision making, which again would be expected for a 19 year old. 
Um, I mean, if you think about this, given his lack of game time as a fullback, fullback period, and then to be thrown in as an inverted fullback when, for the most part, he's, you know, either an attacking winger or an attacking fullback. I mean, those are quite different. So, I mean, he's uh, pr- pretty clearly got the pace and um, the, the dribbling ability. My, my concerns more so on on the decision making. Um, so, I, I'd probably lean towards Juranovic on the left and Ralston on the right, but I don't. It, it's not a it's not a strong uh, uh, bias or, or an opinion. I, I don't think it's you know it's kind of like the midfield. I, I don't. Uh, it, it's which which form of of less optimal do you want? And I, I think because Juranovic is pretty good with both feet, I uh, I think it actually suits that inverted role coming in off the left. Uh, is kind of another midfielder almost, um, and because of how left hand, left side dominant we, we still are, I, I'd rather have his um, skill level on the left to link up with with Jota and again maybe McGregor as the attacking eight on that side. Um, but again, I, I don't I don't you know it's it's not a hill I'd be willing to die on. Yeah, well that's what I was actually going to say. I was going to bring out my heavy bias against left footers and say that I trust a right footer going into the midfield a lot sooner than I trust an absolute left dominant mid, uh, player like uh, Montgomery going into the midfield because I mean like if he, he he has to turn around he has to get it onto his left foot he's very much well like far more comfortable on the ball when it comes to um when it comes to you know being on his left foot so it's uh, it's an interesting one and it's definitely one that I don't know has potential has really has worked all that well with the players that we're doing it with. But again, we're at this point now where we don't have any other players to do it with. So you either progress with the, the system that you're playing or you change it all together. So in terms of the game in, in hand, the Motherwell game on, on Saturday, I know it's a couple of weeks since the Aberdeen game, but if I asked you to, uh, give me one thing in particular that you want to see that improves uh, in terms of the Celtic performance. Alan, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> Just for what's so I'm thinking about that in another part of my brain, um, if that's possible. It may not even be possible. Um, you might be surprised to know that um, Montgomery and Rolston lose possession in the defensive third, so their own defensive third, significantly less times than Juranovic and Taylor, <laughs> which has surprised me as well. And also, they lose the ball in the attacking third less often than Juranovic and Taylor. What about the middle? Ah, I don't <laughs> count that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I could probably work that out, but I'm not going to do it now. Um, no. Yeah, so that's, that's we'll quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I mean, yeah, my, I was I was going to think that Montgomery gives the ball away a lot as a general observation, and then find out he didn't give it his way as many times as well. And maybe down to what James said, which is when he does give the ball away, sometimes it's like, oh, that's not a good place, uh, rather than the volume of, uh, of times. Um, have I managed to avoid your hard question? Because <laughs> I've forgotten what it was. <laughs> it was uh, what? What do you want to see improved on from Celtic in this game against Motherwell from the Aberdeen yeah. game? Yeah, I think it's for me. It's it's it's, it's defensive organization midfield cohesion it would be kind of boring things there's i mean if you look at the attacking data celtic are like you know ranked first on on all sorts of things um you know i'll give you i'll just throw some examples at you you know expected goals number of shots number of shots on target shots inside the box shots outside the box um number of uh you know um post shot expected goals uh, open play expected goals, um, number of saves the opposition goalkeeper has to make, and and even the quality of shots, the average XG per shot, Celtic are way ahead of anyone else. All those things are massively important and, and would set you up nicely for a really good league challenge. Uh, but it's the other end of the park, as we know. So what do I want to see? I want to see, you know, Starfelt, Carter Vickers and, and Hart, a real kind of understanding there, really, you know, um, better defensive arrangement in, in transition, so better organisation, better, get, better getting back into shape. If Bitton does play, just a bit more solidity again in midfield. So probably looking for, for I'm looking for the absence of danger at our end more than anything as an improvement. And that would be- 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Be a big step forward because we are we are not as not doing as well at that. And as everyone, it's obvious to everybody. But if you look at the stats as well, it's obvious that 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 is where we're we're lacking. Uh, we're not we're not ranked first at all the defensive uh, kind of KPIs. James, what about you? Yeah, so I'll take a little for, for diversity's sake. I'll take a little different tack than than Alan. Um, I'm a little concerned about uh, our ability to create, actually. Um, so, because I actually I went back and looked a little bit more granularly at um, at the attacking data and the chance creation, and you know we're only talking about eight games, so obviously we have to always. Uh, caveat it with that but um a lot of our attacking output came when we had some mix of edward christie and uh forest um in the side now obviously they weren't all in totally that entire period but um you know if, if you back out those games um our chance creation's been fine it hasn't been you know, anything that would be a huge red flag, but it's not what, you know, I think those two big games kind of tilt things as Alan has talked about before. I mean, eight games and two of them are outliers. Obviously it's going to really hit the averages. Um, So I, I, given the, um, the issues that we're talking about in midfield and, um, you know, as exciting as Jota has been, there hasn't been a lot of end product yet. Um, and Abadas has been, uh, you know, I think we've talked about it as more of kind of a poacher's role as, as opposed to like outbound creation other than, you know, he's had some great, great crosses, but it, that's been a little, um, you know, hit, hit and miss. So I, I, I'm, I'm looking for some consistency in quality chance creation going forward with the composition of players that we're left with now. Um, you know, I think we've seen Kyogo's a little erratic with his finishing um, so I, I'd, I'd like those two things to take place, you know, maybe a two plus XG kind of game with some actual good finishing, um, mm. and, and start to see more of that. Uh, and, and cause the, I think Alan's points defending her, uh, true as well. Um, but I, I think we, we, we shouldn't be complacent about, uh, our output going forward. Because uh, I, I think there's some of that relative because we've been able to do it against two really good European teams, um, even when we didn't have the quality of players uh, that I mentioned with Edward and Christie and and Forrest. But um, again, I've I've theorized a lot of that was because those those two teams, you know, kind of slept walk through <laughs> good chunks of those games, and they kind of turned it on for about a half hour each each time um, to to do the job. So that that's 
my, my big priority. I, because I, if this is a game where it's close and we're having trouble creating chances, the longer that happens, it's going to be a nervy game because it that plays right into Motherwell. Um, because they do have, you know, pretty fit squad. Uh, as Alan said, they're more workmanlike, but decent athleticism, decent size. They can counter. Um, and with our back four, back five, and let's say Beton, if he is in there, um, you know, wouldn't be unusual for us to commit some silly fouls within striking distance for set pieces. <laughs> um, mm. So. Just, just to kind of um, back that up, really, because I think it's a really good point. Uh, just with some some numbers, <laughs> um, and then, you know, if you look at open plays, this is not forget forget set plays, right? Just just creating chances from open play, and this is all all matches this season, ranked one and two in creating open play chances is Christie and Edward, uh, and it's you cannot underestimate how big a loss those two will be. Uh, more even more worrying is that. You know, Rogic and Turnbull um, create at just over half the rate Christie did, and for um, Kyogo creates chances at about half the rate Edward did. Um, and Yota and Abada, I've got a very similar number of chances created, sort of two and a half each per game. Both arrived at that number in very different ways, <laughs> in very different styles of play. Um, but that doesn't, again, you're, you're looking at Christie at 3, 3.3 chances per game, Edouard at 2.6. No one else uh, reaches that number. As I say, Yota and Abada are probably creating chances at the same rate Edouard did, but you want more from your wingers and you want more from your central midfielders. And I keep banging on about this, but and James is absolutely right. This is a real concern. And, you know, Christie, absolutely, even more than even more than Edouard, I would argue Christie hasn't been replaced and needs to be mm. replaced. For, yeah. for for other reasons, and I got you know, again another piece I should probably do is, you know, Christie not only is more creative and is a bigger goal threat than Rogic and Turnbull, he's clearly far more uh, defensively, uh, much far far more defensive uh, output as well. That's a difficult mm. thing to replace. Yeah, well, that's actually an interesting um, topic because there's there's a conversation going on in the comments at the minute about what. Uh, what uh, Scotland did against the Faroes, what Steve Clark did when he went ultra-attacking and basically went with uh, four in the middle, four up front and uh, two at the back. Um, and it does bring me on to sort of a Celtic and what I potentially would like to see improving and maybe it, it is down to the inevitable lack of pace in the midfield. But it strikes me that our pressing isn't over overall in that great of, of place considering... That's is this is the type of football that Ange wants to play is is a high press to win the ball back in high positions and and, and catch the opposition off guard. Kyogo definitely stands out as the best presser of the ball in the, in the front three, but outside of that, Abada is decent. I haven't seen much of it from from Jota, and then it kind of falls apart from there. So again, is this a is this another thing where it's just falling down on the midfield where? the pace isn't there to do it so we're not doing it as effectively and how do we how do we make it work effectively without the midfield is it, is it possible to do so i'm not sure I, I it's um i think it's a great point you made Enda, because even uh you know jota's fouling rate has been extremely high i think part of that's because this is new to him at least that would be my theory uh, he's, he's trying to learn how to maybe press this way uh, and, and uh, you know, having some growing pains, so to speak. And while Abada is very active in pressing, he's not terribly successful. Um, so he, he does a lot of engaging and a lot of movement, but he doesn't really win possession back very much. Um, so you're, if, if you're, if your two wingers aren't doing a great job um, and Turnbull actually has been doing a decent job, I think, given his limitations athletically, uh, but he's not, you know, he's not a pit bull, you know, he, he's not a dynamic athletic. He's not Christie, as Alan said, as mm-hmm. far as yeah. uh, that athletic dynamism from a pressing perspective. So 
I, I you know, this is the old Jenga thing. Um, I don't think the the pieces fit, and and I think that's going to be an issue probably until we upgrade in the midfield athletically, uh, and hope that the wingers can grow into this system as they ascend the learning curve. Because uh, I think mm-hmm. they have the athleticism. They certainly seem to have the the athleticism to do it. Yeah, we're we're really stuck in limbo at the minute with this uh, midfield. It's almost like we know what needs to be improved, but we just we just don't have the capabilities to do it with the players that we have. Yeah. One last question on the the pressing game, I guess, Alan is the do, how does the inverted fullback position affect the ability to press high? Because I mean, if you're the opposition who are passing out from the back, if that channel down the left hand side down the wing past the forward who is pressing you is open because the fullbacks are in, inverted um does that open up passing lanes for that for them to get out fairly easily should the should the fullbacks be and in, not inverted or just playing normal uh pressing game when we are uh, on the high press and then work our way in when we're in possession or is, is that something that we're already doing yeah so i mean the inverted fullback um uh, a t- tactic really, and there may be a little bit of misunderstanding about this. Is really is, is comes into fore when you've got the ball. That's the first thing to yeah. say. And the idea really is that by 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 um, putting additional players into the into the midfield, you free up those who would be playing in central midfield. So your your six potentially and your your two eights in this case to push much higher up the pitch. So that, that that allows them to get into more forward positions. Allows them to get into the half spaces. Um, so between the striker and then the wingers, and you're and you're what you're also trying to do by doing doing that is you're trying to draw the opposition's wide players into the centre of the park to create more space wide for your wingers to get one on one. So, you know that's why someone like Jota is a good fit because he's someone who wants to get one on one with his opponent and and take him on. So that's that's the, the kind of one of the major you know objectives of 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 that is to push your push your creative players further up the pitch. Get them more in contact with each other in attacking areas and create overloads in in wide areas. I'm oversimplifying, but that's essentially it. Um, now, obviously, to do that, you've got to have you know good timing. You've got to be able to take the ball in a central area. You know, taking the ball out wide, where you generally got space in the game in front of you, is a bit difficult from taking the ball in central midfield, where you've suddenly got to think 360 degrees. Where am I getting pressure from? Um, and then you've got to obviously then pick a pass, which probably breaks at least one line to get the ball to your creative players. So it's it's pretty de- demanding as a role. And I don't, you know, we don't, we absolutely don't, uh, outside of Juranovic, like we said, probably don't have the the fullbacks to do that. Uh, and as as you rightly said, Endo, we don't have then the if we do lose the ball, the the uh, attacking players in midfield, uh, the ability to win the ball back. And again, just to give you some context for that, if you look at just challenges one. So this is any challenge. You've got Rogic at about 2.3. You've got Turnbull at 1.8. Again, Christie, 5.4. I mean, it's, it's, it's a different, completely different player. A different, this is a different job, right? So that's, that's, and so we're asking two players who might win you one or two challenges a game to be effectively trying to win the ball high up the pitch. Um, now, Abada and Yota probably do slightly better than that. Uh, but again, if, 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 if they're not, they're not like, monsters like like Christie was for, for ball winning and um, they're, they're more around sort of two two and a half ch- challenges are going to win a game so yeah real problem there uh, in terms of the right players to play that inverted fullback and the right players to play a high pressing game which is going to regain the ball back high up the pitch and you might argue well shouldn't he play a different way then <laughs> but then I'm not sure I'm not sure we've got enough um, you know depth of squad to to you might you might as well you might as well be be hung for playing the way you want to play given the, the lack of squad depth i guess mm. is, is what it comes down to yeah. and as i say you, you cannot you cannot criticize i know everything that james said about the um creativity is right relative to the players that we had but relative to the opposition that we were playing in the spfl our attacking output is very successful and so you've got to give postacoglu credit for that and why would he change it in that sense mm. I really want to see Celtic just play four four two for the crack to see what happens. <laughs> stick it in the mix. Yeah, you know, uh, just stick uh, uh, Turnbull and McGregor in the middle, Avada and Jota on the right and left, and then Jack yeah, Marcus and, and uh, you want Kilo you want Niall front. Quinn and John Aldridge up front. That's what you want. <laughs> so I, I I have I have kind of a, a a hidden aspect to this, 
So, um, or I'll call it hidden. But uh, I think as we saw, I think it was against Leverkusen um, when Ralston was caught inside and there was that transition. And that, I think part of what Alan was saying is, you know, if you're going to get caught, at least you're narrow. And then you yeah. force the, you for, force yeah. that, that transition and counterattack down the wings. Um, so I think that's an inherent, let's call it vulnerability. I mean, it's, it's you know, um, from an optimization perspective and an analytics perspective, uh, you definitely want to, for, if you're going to get attacked, you want to, you'd rather it be wide than central. Um, but there's an issue that I, I don't think the sample size is necessarily big enough yet, but I think one of the issues that we have relative to cross balls is um, potentially that Hart's not very good at coming for cross balls. And that that's uh, one of the metrics that I have access now to with uh, stats bomb. They actually track, um, a metric called claims. So, you know, balls that uh, come into the box that a keeper could go get. Um, and right now, I, I think he's only made two claims out of, I think it's like 90 something potentially. Um, How is that measured? Is that similar enough to the XG model where someone just sat down and. Yeah. Did, so you're, well, you're, they, they actually, examples. yeah, they actually do have an expected claims metric. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So my yeah, God, so, these people need to get lives. I know. Tell me about it. No offense to you guys, but my God, the thousand, like the effort that went into getting that metric. Well, and that, so if you think about it, um, it, and this will maybe send some people a little uh, batty, but um, you know, from a shot stopping perspective, people say, well, you want your keeper to be a shot stopper. Well, that's true. Obviously. I mean, all, all, all other things being equal, you want uh, somebody that can stop shots. Um, but if you have a keeper that doesn't claim crosses very well, and they're going to see a higher volume of shots, even if they're a better shot stopper, even if they save more than they otherwise should, so to speak, um, if they're going to face more shots as a result of not going for crosses, then you could actually have a worse goalkeeper from an from a from a value perspective, from an actual perspective of limiting goals from being scored, right? Because ultimately, that's mm. what the keeper's job is. Um, so, you know, and that that was that was probably the one thing that uh, Barkas stood out uh, in his data when he played last season. Uh, you know, his his claim rate was over three times that of Hart is so far this season. Um, and you know, th this is not to suggest that Barkas is or was a better keeper, you know, uh, his stats bomb data, uh, certainly pointed towards his poor shot stopping. So it's not as if this claims data is like an isolation, right? So the, 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 their, their metrics for shot stopping had Barkas poor for shot stopping. Um, but Celtic only surrendered like 0.45 goals per Barcast start last season. Um, which if you add it all up, that's, you know, why was that? Why, why did we give up so few goals? Um, and I think one of the reasons was he was quite good at coming out for the ball. Um, hmm. And with Ange's system, with our vulnerabilities down the flanks, um, that might be an area with cross balls that we're going to continue. We're just going to have to live with this problem. Um, and when you add in the fact that we have center backs that aren't pacey and that aren't, you know, necessarily great at defending in the air, you, you, again, you start talking about how the pieces fit together. You know, you have a keeper that doesn't really come off the line very well and you have center backs that don't really defend aerial balls all that well. Well, and that's the irony. Like, I don't, I don't even think we've been targeted that much aerially yet. Um, so it could be something that teams gravitate towards or move towards, or, you know, if I was them, I would be, let's put it that way. Cause there's, there's starting to be a real emergence of a vulnerability there as far as what I can see. Well, that's the thing about, you know, proactive versus reactive uh, when it comes to a position like goalkeeping, you know, like, a proactive keeper comes in and claims those balls, reactive waits for the the shot to happen to see if the you know they'll they'll bet their odds in saving it. So maybe that's just uh, the way Joe Hart has been 
wired in terms of his. Well, uh, and, it, and there's an athleticism career. part to it. You know, Forster wasn't great at coming for balls either. I mean, he was okay, but you know, he had a big that, fist though. You know, he used to just well, right. batter people out of the way more than anything. Yeah, but when you're that big, I mean, it's harder to find a guy who's that big um, that is also has the lateral quickness, you know, kind of the fast twitch um, to get out like that. So, you know, there, again, I think that the the potential for this being amplified because of the vulnerability, this is why I brought this up, is because within the context of this inverted fullback system and that we're if we're going to give up opportunities down the flanks and those half spaces in transition and then balls are going to get whipped in, I think that, you know, from a system perspective, um, that could be a vulnerability that mm. uh, we're, we're going to see kind of be persistent just because of who we have playing in those roles. So you've surprised just- me. James, sorry, and uh, I, I never picked up on any of that. I haven't picked up on any of that on any of the data. And this is some of this is down to what are you capturing? And you you mentioned something called claims, which is a new a new data point for me. I mean, I, I tomato. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. Listen, yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm not deriding it. I'm, I'm just. I mean, I'm intrigued actually, just to see what it, what you know. I'm trying to reckon. I'm thinking about it in my head how to reconcile it with the sort of things I do because ultimately I do. I do. If it's a cross and he catches it and he, he, he catches about 0.8 a game, I know it's not a high level, but keepers don't catch that many crosses in the game anyway. He, I've not, I've not, I've not remember him fumbling one or hashing up a, a cross that he's come to catch. So it may be that an, this may be one of these absence off things where he's, when he comes to claim the ball, he gets it. But, right. but does, the question is, should he have come to get the ball? That's a different question, and, and no claims data will show you that. Um, well, well, right. So that that's yeah. that's why I said it's kind of a hidden one because, um, you know, he he may not he justifiably may not. So this is the way I, my understanding of the of the model is to look look kind of the average keeper what they would come claim. So you know he justifiably could make decisions not to go get something because he can't, he shouldn't be because he's not as quick as the average keeper potentially. Um, but that still means that he's not getting the balls and you wouldn't necessarily see that meaning that, you know, he doesn't try to go get it and that ends up in an opportunity or a chance that let's call the average keeper might hmm. prevent from happening. And that's why I said, I mean, it, Barkas, his volume of claims was, not quite four times greater, but you know, like three and a half times higher. Um, which again, it it's just a different animal. Um, it's what's how some of these metrics can be interesting as far as how to quantify um, how the actual keepers actually offer value in goal mm-hmm. prevention. Um, so, I, I, I realize it wasn't you that made up this uh, this new metric, so you might not have this answer. Um, but it strikes me that, you know, one potential flaw in it could be the, I would suggest that the worst keepers would come to claim more balls than good keepers and have a higher fail rate. Do you think that might potentially skew the metric a little bit in terms of what the average keeper might come for? Like, would a, a, a top level goalkeeper come for as many balls as a lower level goalkeeper and uh potentially face as many crosses that, that kind of yeah thing. so so yeah so there's success rate there's so they have, they have a bunch of different metrics um so um yeah so you, you you can you can quantify kind of how many they should try to come for relative to the average keeper how many they were successful on relative to the average keeper um and and look at whether or not they're good or not. And again, it's only eight games. So I'm not saying that this is, you know, handed down on tablets. Um, it's just, you know, I, it, to me, commonsensically, it, it, you know, has some resonance, meaning that he's a mm-hmm. big guy. He's not terribly quick. <laughs> uh, so my bias just intuitively would be, well, maybe he wouldn't be that great at coming for crosses. Uh, he profiles that way, and, and I think you. Sorry, Jim, I got to put this into context as well. You know, like we talk about, this, and it's fascinating with goalkeepers. You know, we talk about this balance between, you know, good with his feet versus shot stopping versus now we're talking about um, ability to come and claim the ball. And it's like, you know, which of these things are should we weight the most? Which things are more important? Because as I keep saying, 
Hearts, Hearts, like involved in passing the ball 40, 45 times in a match. Is is that distributing the ball 45 times and the outcome from that distribution more important than the one and a half saves you might make? Right. Yeah. And similarly with crosses. So to, this, this is SPFL only. But Celtic actually allow the least crosses in the league, right? Yeah. Of 14 per, per game. To give you some context, Motherwell allow 24 crosses. Now, off those 14 crosses, um, only just under four are deemed successful. So we're talking about Hart making a decision on four crosses, potentially a game, on average, of which all of them may be nowhere near him. Right. <laughs> or or they, one of them might be somewhere near him. And that's that's what we're talking about. And how, how, how important is that ability versus shot-stopping, versus passing, versus other things, yeah? So I just wanted to give you that kind of context for... So Celtic actually do a pretty, pretty good job of stopping crosses, and they don't actually allow that many crosses into the box. And certainly, mm. you know, we're talking about less than four that are successful. So, and I've not had him, as I say, I've not had him down as I would. I would it, for me, this would be covered in. I do, I do look at specifically either catching a cross or fumbling it, and then the defensive error stat is how many, and he's quite low on errors so far. Hart. Uh, and then recoveries, and he's very high on recoveries, but most of those recoveries are because teams are blattering the ball up the park right. over the defenders, and then he's coming out to collect the ball. So I don't differentiate between a claim, which might be coming out and catching the ball, versus a recovery, which is the ball's been blatted at him, and he's come and, get, he's come and got it. And that's where data can be very tricky in terms of defining those things very clearly and what they mean. But anyway, the point I'm making is we're talking about quite a specific Small margins. In, yep. in, in, a, in a game here, and how how Important is that claim ability versus these other things we talked about. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, we should have an expected claims segment <laughs> on this show where <laughs> we uh, talk make about a, one incident again. Yeah, yeah, like come up with uh, <laughs> how, how many of our claims actually come to fruition in terms yeah, of yeah. what we're saying on the podcast. Um, look, we're we're getting on in the time here, so I guess. We'll start wrapping this up. In terms of the Motherwell game specifically, 3 p.m. kickoff, it's in Motherwell. Um, what are we expecting? Are we expecting a win? Are we expecting a, a tight game? Um, I would expect Celtic to concede in this, I would say, by, by the sounds <laughs> of the uh, the set-piece power that Motherwell have. Um, I'll get a prediction from the two years. I know you don't really like doing predictions, but even just the predicted sort of performance that we're going to see. Go ahead, Alan. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't. And the last time I did this was Livingston, and Livingston were like, literally, you had, you had Celtic rank 1 1 1 1 1. You had Livingston 12 12 12 12 12. And it was like, yeah, of course we're going to win, which just goes to show you. Uh, um, no, listen, I, as I said, I think it will be an attacking game. I think in terms of both teams, that's where the strengths lie. So there's going to be goals, I think, at both ends. So I'm, I'm going to go for a one, a one goal Celtic win, but it could be like a 2 1 or a 3 2 or something like that. James? Yeah, I'll say this is a game we, you know, I think it can be overstated as far as saying it's a huge game or something like that. But I I think from a profile perspective, this is a game that we absolutely should be winning if we're going to be serious title contenders. Um, So I'll be optimistic and say 3-1. Uh, I, I actually don't think they'll create a lot against us. Um, and and because of their you know a little bit of lack of skill in in uh, technical skill, so I think we will completely dominate possession. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's seventy seventy five percent. So it's going to be whether or not they can convert a couple, and they have been successful at doing that. But I'm I'm going with a little bit of mean reversion against them. That's my bet here. Um, so I'll go three one. Cool. I'm going to go with a sort of a. A gambling term in terms of uh, I think Celtic will win both half, so I think you degenerate. They'll, they'll, yeah, they'll be um, they'll be in the lead at halftime, <laughs> and they will also uh, score more goals than Motherwell in the second half as well. But I do think Motherwell will score. So uh, yeah, don't don't put any money on what I'm saying. I'm not the stats man <laughs> on this podcast. I'm making it up as I go along. That is uh, that is the huddle breakdown in the bank for another week. A, a rare opportunity to actually preview the game and look ahead to the games rather than review them. So Motherwell is three o'clock tomorrow. Hope you all enjoy the game. James Allen, thanks very much for that. Thanks guys. Enjoy the game.
All right, cool. So if you want to listen back to this podcast, you can get us on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. You can get us on Twitter at Huddle Breakdown and you can follow the uh, the Breakdown Inc. as well. Subscribe to the YouTube channel below if you want to get all these uh, videos as well. So that's us in the can for one more week and we'll be back again looking back at this Motherwell game and looking at the Ferrick Varas game as well. As well. Uh, so thanks for watching. We'll chat to you later. Good luck.